Welcome to Kevin on SaaS. My name is Kevin DeWalt. Welcome to my regular show on starting and building a SaaS business. My guest this week is Maya Josephakvili. She is VP for People and Strategy for Greenhouse, which is a company that does uh, recruiting for other companies and helps with the recruiting process and finding great talent. I was actually looking for guests to explore the what I think is one of the central challenges for starting and growing a SaaS business or really any technology company these days, and that is recruiting talent and finding and, and recruiting and retaining the right people. There's a lot I think there is to talk about this. I really just kind of scratched the, the surface in this first interview, and I'm going to hopefully bring on other guests who've done successful recruiting in the past to find out some tips on what has worked for them. So I discovered Maya because I kind of asked around a few people. I did some Google searches for people who were thought leaders in this space. And her name was referred to me by a couple different folks. And I also noticed that she did a SaaS, um, a SaaS hours with Thomas Tungush of um, Redpoint Ventures, who has a great SaaS blog. And so I sent Maya a cold email and she was nice enough to join me. I wanted to talk about this topic because... This past uh, the past six months or so, I've been trying to recruit for a couple different roles, mostly around uh, marketing and product development, and I haven't been very successful. At least not as successful as I've been in the past. I'm finding that it is harder than ever to find talent, and I think people that work outside of tech have a hard time really understanding the challenges in, in recruiting and retaining top talent. And I guess, so, you know, we can see some of this reflected in, in some of the, the recent social issues with Brexit and, and some of the, the political campaigns happening around the world in 2016, particularly in America. And we're increasingly entering a, a world where there is a fixed pool of, of candidates that probably represent 10 to 15 percent of the total workforce that is under increasingly growing demand by more and more companies and that pie isn't growing as fast as the demand for that talent and unfortunately that's creating a situation where um, in addition to some of the the social unrest and the social challenges we're seeing um, it's making it really difficult to find top talent and I've really you know struggled to think what makes it so difficult these days and I think whenever any of us sit down to to hire for a candidate we're we're kind of we start with some of the basic skills or titles and then we we kind of hop around angel list or maybe a job site and look at other job recs to see if we get any inspiration for what we need but a lot of times we're not quite sure we're not we have our our roles don't always fit into the the cookie cutter descriptions you read about customer success or product development or content marketing we need people who can fit a lot of different needs who are flexible we need to hire for fit. We there's a lot of concern about geography. Um, what somebody may have done elsewhere. We've all hired people that were successful in other environments, but didn't work out where we work. Um, and increasingly, the the cost of error for finding the wrong, the wrong person can be so detrimental. Can send a business back one or two years. And and the upside of finding the right team is is so amazing. Um, Every company claims to hire the best, um, but that obviously <laughs> that's a statement that can't um, totally be true. 
So I'm trying to be one of those companies that just doesn't claim to hire the best, but actually does hire the best, at least the best who are the best for working with me. Um, so I think there's, I plan on doing a lot more on this topic. Um, um, I guess we're, the best way I can summarize it is to say, I think we're moving to an era where hiring and recruiting is going from being a back office activity relegated to HRs and and maybe third party recruiters to a core competency where the entire business needs to be involved, um, like product uh, development or sales, something that's a core competency to the business. When I talk to VCs, uh, they tell me that they they expect that their CEOs will have to invest 50% or more of their time in recruiting alone. And when you consider that the CEO's time is often the most valuable resource that the company has, it kind of sets the expectation for the, the type of commitment we need to make we need to make to doing this. Um, so I'll try to cover some more in, in future episodes and share it to you what with what what techniques that are working for me. Uh, but let's jump into the interview with uh, Maya Josie Bakvili. Well, Maya, thank you so much for making the time. And so, uh, Maya Jose Bachvili, do I have that pronounced correctly? You do, though. I would say Maya J is a lot easier. <laughs> okay, we'll go with we'll go with either one, Maya J. Um, well, thank you so much for making the time. I know that I, I mentioned to you before we started recording that while I was talking to some of the people listening to the show about the challenges of hiring and recruiting, how tough of a problem this is, yours was one of the names that came up that people were requesting for. So I think you must be developing a bit of a media stardom in this uh, challenging space. So for those who oh, are not man. familiar, <laughs> I like to flatter my guests as soon as I start. Um, so for those who are not <laughs> familiar with you, can you give us a little bit about your background and then what that kind of led you into Greenhouse? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't have a great defining thread, so I'll sort of just laundry list the things I've done, and maybe you can tell me the good way to wrap it all up. But uh, I studied engineering in college, mechanical engineering, went on to be a derivatives trader for a few years on Wall Street on the floor of the stock exchange, back when that's what people did, uh-huh. uh, and we, we were, before we were replaced by computers and programs. Um, and then from there, I started my own company in 2008 in New York, which I ran for a couple of years, sold it to Living Social, and ran a few of the businesses at Living Social. And if you put all that together, it um, doesn't totally logically, but sort of leads me to Greenhouse, where I'm VP of People and Strategy. Awesome. So now you're in San Francisco, down in uh, Harrison Street. Is that where your office is? That's right. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So can you tell us a little? Tell us a little bit about Greenhouse. What is Greenhouse? What does it do? And what does it have to do with recruiting and hiring and all the challenges faced by SaaS companies? Yeah, absolutely. So Greenhouse is a SaaS platform. We build tools that help companies be good at people practices. So our first product we came to market with, um, and the one where we have the most reach right now, is our recruiting product. So we help companies uh, basically just do all the back-end powering of their recruiting process, from sourcing of candidates to gathering evidence and data, using reports, making the offers, conducting the interviews, etc. And then we also have um, recently acquired Parklet, which is an onboarding software. So now we keep pushing the employee journey uh, past hire to their onboarding experience. So their first week, their first month, first 90 days, even first year. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask this next question, but let me preface it saying by, I love what you guys are doing and I'm a huge fan of, of the approach you're taking. But for the skeptics that are out there, um, like I've tried to sell like technology into like the, the HR quote unquote, I'm using the air quotes here for the, the <laughs> uh-huh. HR space. 
And you know, I'm sure you've heard all the, the traditional challenges, right? No budget, you know, very resistance to change. You have a lot of people very much control. Uh, I think I have my own speculation on this, but I want to hear your answer. Why is greenhouse different, and why are you able to kind of break out of that traditional that traditional box? I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I can say that we're different. What I will say, though, I think more true is that. The times are different. I think you're right. Ten years ago, it was really hard to sell into HR. I don't think we're selling into HR anymore. I think we're selling into people teams, right? And we've made this distinction that the value of people and organizations in the last few years has really changed. And now, whereas before you know, it was all about, do we have the best factories and do we have the most efficient ways to build our widgets and cogs? Now the conversation at companies is really like, do we have the best talent? Are we setting them up for success? And those are the metrics people are looking at. And those are the big drivers of company success. So it's a big issue for companies. And it's no longer like, do we have the right administrative software and HR? It's like, how do we actually get the best people into our company so we can be the best company we can be? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I guess for me that um, it seemed like in the past, much of what was sold in HR departments was very defensive oriented, right? People buying stuff to keep from getting sued or be mm-hmm. compliant. That's what you get people to buy. But now what you're talking about, you're talking about a real competitive advantage. I mean, you just, you cannot survive unless you get the the, the right talent. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's changed and why this is so hard. So I've got, we've all got friends outside of tech and you know, we can talk maybe a little bit more about some of the, the social issues around like hiring and recruiting later. But I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding, you know, when they see that they have friends that have a hard time getting jobs and they see unemployment, like how hard it is to find the right people. Why is it so hard for companies to find experienced people these days? Yeah. Well, if I may unpack that question, Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's so hard to find experienced people. I think sometimes companies don't exactly know what they're looking for. They don't know how to look for it. And they're not necessarily aligned with how to make those decisions. So I actually think the process isn't so hard. What happens, though, is that people aren't actually doing it in practice, and that's where the challenges happen. So... I'm seeing the other thing. I'm seeing like when people have the right to, and this is not, this is really not meant to be a greenhouse pitch, but I actually think when you have the right tools, so you don't have to worry about the process and you can actually do the stuff, you find like it's not that complicated. You define a profile, you think about where could these people be, you go look for them, and then you make a compelling reason why they should talk to you, and then you find a good way to assess them. So I think it's, I think that's not that it's hard. I think people just aren't doing it yet. Consistently, at least, I think a lot of people are. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Maybe um, so. I, maybe I'm imposing my, some of my own personal experience on this. So when I when I started my first company back in the late 1990s, and it was at the time it was a really tight job market then, right? And even then, they were talking, "Oh my God, a talent shortage!" But I could always find good people. Like I could mm-hmm. always come up with some sort of um, now I'm using the you know financial services jargon is some sort of arbitrage opportunity. Yeah, I found some you know big IT shop with a bunch of dog developers who are miserable, who wanted to learn a way to do, you know, servlets or something new and, and attract those kind of people. Um, and what I'm finding now, because I've been, I've been doing a lot of recruiting for the past six months, and I'm finding that that's just harder than ever. It just feels like the, mm-hmm. the, the easier, I mean, it used to be a film like where I could just go in and somebody says, man, get them fired up about what we're doing, you know, and, and genuinely tell them about the opportunity to do more, to learn more, to get new skills. And that would attract them. And it seems like 
I can't get through the noise as easily with that anymore. Are companies getting, is it just more competitive now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. There's a lot more competition out there and there is a lot more noise. So you have to find, I mean, it's sort of like starting a company, right? Like you have to find your product market fit. Like what's your value prop? Who are you, what kind of employee are you trying to attract? And if you're trying, you know, and it depends who you're competing with. It's like we've already decided a long time ago, we can't pay the salaries that Google pays. Yeah. So that can't be our value prop. We're never going to win on salary. So let's win on other things. So I think it really is about defining like what's your value proposition? Who are those people? And do you have product market fit? Like is your value prop in line with what the candidate you're looking for is looking for as well? And does, does Greenhouse help you figure that, help companies figure that out? Like is that part of what Greenhouse does or is that just more, you know, is that just more good management? Uh, you know, we give you the tools so that you can make those decisions, whereas previously you couldn't, right? So the same way I think of Salesforce doesn't necessarily improve your close rate, but it certainly helps you track it and you can see all the reasons that you're not winning deals and pull those reports. So a lot of the stuff that will surface for you is what's your offer decline percentage and how is that tracking over time and how is that by department? So those are the kind of things that can help you that can help surface those things. You, I think you brought up an interesting analogy when you mentioned um, Salesforce, because I've heard in some of your other speeches and writings where you talk about using almost a sales-like process. And that's a that's kind of the solution that, that, that I've converged on and teams that I've worked with that have converged on as well, is that it, it is almost a sales process where you have a funnel from end to end and you give metrics along the entire, along the entire way. Do, do you find that companies are using their CRM to track candidates now? Um, uh well, the companies we work with are using Greenhouse to track their candidates. I think there's some some people are just starting to get into the CRM nurture talent pool. I could see the world going to that uh, going to that place. I think there's a lot more lower hanging fruit that can make a bigger impact on your hiring. So, if you're already doing everything with structured hiring, then yeah, I think using a CRM to track, you know, top 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 of funnel uh, is great. I think there's probably other things companies can do that would have a bigger impact quickly. And what are some of those things? Well, I'm a big proponent, and I know you are as well, we've talked about this, right, but structured hiring. Mm-hmm. So this concept of approaching hiring with a few basic principles, like the first one is you define your candidate by the business objectives of the job. So the alternative to that would be like, this person needs to do these things in the first 90 days. That doesn't necessarily help you define the ideal profile, but saying, in a year, an awesome candidate will like, or an awesome employee will have accomplished these things and then backing into a profile that way. So it's sort of the first piece is defining the candidate based on the long-term job objectives. The second piece of structured hiring is having a deliberate approach and rubric to assess all candidates. So, you know, I'm sure you've seen all the stuff on unconscious bias that comes in and mm-hmm. creeps in. So in order to get better outcomes, having everyone go through the same exact process and be asked the same questions helps you actually determine who the best fit for the job is. And then the last one, which is almost embarrassing to say because it sounds so obvious, but um, using data and evidence to yeah. make all of your hiring decisions. Uh, so I think if you take all those three approaches to your hiring process, you're going to have better outcomes and you're going to have a better experience for everyone involved, candidates, hiring managers, recruiters, interviewers. Okay. So those, I, I love all three of those and you know that I'm going to pick on the last one here to just learn more. So it's such a, it's, it's one of those 
business processes that lends itself to sort of gut feeling, you know, mm-hmm. what I said on the airplane ride with this person, which I, to be honest with you, has never really helped me that much because I've worked with a lot of amazing people who I wouldn't want to sit next to on an airplane. I'm sure they felt the same way about me. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, how do you use data? Um, and, I mean, so I, know, I, I get the sort of, I get the sort of like, you know, turn down rates and everything, but like in the absence of lots of candidates in the big departments, how do you start using data as a team? Yeah. Well, the first one is like, let's not, and I mean, I really like data, but let me get really simple for a second. I think the first thing is if you've defined the attributes that make someone successful, then at the very least use the information from your interviews about how they ranked on those attributes, right? So if you say that it's imperative that this person, let's see, um, like let's say you're hiring a project management role, right? And it's imperative that they can like create a Gantt chart from scratch and like whatever it is that you want to put in this. Find ways to test for that exact thing, generally through like work samples, right? So if there's any of those skills base that you can actually test for by having them do the job, do that and test everyone the same way. And then when you're going to make your decision, the conversation you're having is, based on the interviews you had, the work use candidate do, and your data there is quite simple. It's like, here's the things we were testing for. Let's not bring in this, right, I would sit on the airplane with this person, I'd have a beer with this person or not, but let's bring in, they're good at the thing that we need them to be good at. Okay, so I've used that technique in the past, and I mean, when it when you, when you have the opportunity to do that, it's great. Um, uh, I don't know, the, you know if you have a specific length of time you recommend. We found that usually about a week, you know, the teams mm-hmm. that I work with is about, about as good as you can get. Um, Practically speaking, how do you do that with every candidate, every role? Because there's some people who will just say, look, I, you know, hey, if you want me, you know, make an offer, but I'm not going to come in. You know, I don't, hey, I'm working a full-time job and i got a family and I can't take a week off to do this as much as I'd love to. Um, how, you know, you know, what what else can we do? Like, how do, how do companies practically work around that? Yeah. Oh, so sorry. Did that come across as I meant have them do the work for a week? No, I meant like. Just well, that's what I've done. That, that's ah. actually, that's what I've that's what I've done. Is an yeah. the ideal case, you know, especially when you're talking, you know, a startup that's trying to go from four to ten, right? And that right. fifth hire is so critically like, we'll pay you for a week. We'll pay you for two Absolutely. weeks to work one, just because of the cost of you know hiring the wrong person is so high. But um, but you did, okay? You didn't mean actually hiring them. You mean seeing a work sample. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And I think, right. If you have the luxury and the ability and you have candidates who are willing to come work with you for a week, absolutely. That sounds like the best way to assess it. But in the absence of that, yeah, for, I can't think of a single role at Greenhouse that we don't do a take-home assignment for. Like we just hired a new receptionist and one of our take-home assignments before we bring someone on site for that one was here's like three company announcements, draft the company email and let's see how that looks. You know, so whatever the job is, one of the best predictors of long-term success is having someone actually do the work product, like produce the work product. So we do a take-home assignment for every job. And so as part of your defining the job description, you, you do the take-home, the take-home assignment is as part of that job description yeah, as well. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And then what's the, like, and then what's the typical expectation of, I mean, for a programmer, I, you know, I get it. Like I could write a coding test and, you know, mm-hmm. or just sit down with them and I'll say, oh, let's walk through this screen and I can tell does the guy, does the person really know what they're talking about? Is it just buzzwords on paper? But for, for, you know, is it an hour or two? Like, what are they, like, what are the typical examples you use for different roles to be able to do that? 
Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, you kind of have to put yourself in the shoes of the candidate and understand the market. So if it's a really senior role and you don't want to ask them for that much time, maybe a couple hours is fine. If there's a role where you know the market is huge and you know that a lot of people are trying to apply for the job and you think you can get them to spend three hours on a take-home assignment, that's probably okay. But I'd say making it reasonable for the candidate. So one to two hours feels pretty reasonable for most people. Okay. And you, I mean, do you get a good, do you ever get pushback on that? Like, how does it work in practice for, for you? You know, we haven't really gotten pushback on it. We try to make it pretty reasonable. We do it far enough in the process that they're, they've already invested some time. So I think one time we tried to do it, like, before our first phone screen for our entry-level salespeople, and we got a lot of pushback and a lot of people not doing it. So that we learned our lesson. Uh, but I think if you couch it in the right way and you tell the candidate, look, we're trying to find a job that's a good fit on both yeah. ends. Like, I want this to be a good job for you and this, you know, and you should be a good fit for the job. We found one of the best ways to do that is to have you actually do something that simulates what the work is. And that's going to be helpful for both of us to figure out if this is a fit. I think most people are usually on board with that. Yeah, that's that's been my experience too. And I think um, if people are resistant to that, it's usually a pretty good red flag that there's it's maybe not the right fit for you or for them. Because um, you know, because let's yeah. be honest, there are some people who are just fishing around and just going on interviews and they're not really they they really haven't come to the you know the emotional state of thing. Oh yeah, I'm going to leave my job and go do this. And I guess that's a way of getting them to to take this, some initiative. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, you know as we get closer to wrapping things up here. Let's just talk. Let's just say I'm a SaaS founder. I've got a, I've raised my seed money. I've got myself and you know friends. I'm less than five people, and I'm going from five to ten. And I'm going to hire my first couple. I'm probably going to hire you know a product marketer like everybody else, and a, you know a couple of other developers. Maybe my first salespeople. What are some of the tips you would give a, a CEO, a founder, to to hire their first couple of people? Yeah. Uh, these are probably the most important decisions you're going to make in certainly the history of your business and maybe the future as well. Uh, so take your time. Um, the difference between a great hire and a mediocre one is so tremendous that waiting an extra month or two months to get that right person in the door is, I mean, I can't say always, but I'd say most of the time the right call. Uh, so take your time. Make it part of your job. You can't, especially as a founder in your first five, 10, even 20 people, pawning this off to someone else on the company isn't doing anyone a service, right? Like one of the most important things you can do is bring great people into your organization. So make this your full-time job or at least 50% of your job. So my, I've heard VC say between like 50 and 80% of a founder's time should be spent recruiting. And you and I have both been founders and we know how big of a commitment um, that is. I mean, how, as a founder, can you even get your arms around what that means to, to commit that amount of time? Yeah, it's it's a lot of time. I know it's a lot of time. And I'm not, you know, even not as a founder now, I'm not doing it now because my team is pretty in place, but I'd say early last year, I was probably spending 80, 90% of my time recruiting my team. What I will say is like, you know, that feeling you get when you just have this awesome team and everyone's crushing it. And you're like, this is it. Like, this is, this is how I know we're going to be successful. It's because we have these people working on this project. Have you had that feeling? Oh yeah. And man, when you are there, you, you never want to go back. You can't imagine doing anything else. So, right. So like once you've experienced that, it's, 
you get the time, right? Like there's never going to be a sales pitch you're going to craft that's going to make that impact on your business, right? Like, you, you know, your sales pitch can be the best thing ever or it could be really good and the impact on your business won't be that dramatic. But if you have the most amazing team ever versus a really good team, that difference on your business will pay off tenfold. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I justify it. And I know it's a lot of time and I think it's really worth it. Yeah, Maya, that is um, that is so true. And I guess, you know, the, the moments when you, you know you've done it is when your team goes off and they, they don't even invite you to the meeting and they all go mm-hmm. off and they come back and they come out with a solution that's 10 times better than anything you would have ever possibly thought of. Those are the days that you're glad you took your time. Yeah, and that's – so that was, that's what makes me – believe that this is that important because once you've experienced that you really never want anything else and like this is how you get that wow well that is that is a strong statement and a great way to wrap this up Maya thank you so much for your time so where can uh, you know for can we tell me a little bit more like who Greenhouse is for and you know why people should consider using it as we kind of wrap things up yeah, absolutely. I mean, our first, you know, much like many SaaS platforms out here in the Bay Area um, and New York, our first customers were growing tech companies. Uh, we've since grown. So like that's still a huge part of our customer base. But we now have tons of customers with, you know, multiple thousands of employees and that keeps going up all the time. So uh, I'd say certainly anyone who values their people and thinks that hiring great people and keeping great people is important to their success is a good customer for Greenhouse. But if you have 100,000 employees, we're probably not quite ready for you. <laughs> okay. So what's a good fit? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not hiring your third employee, but, you know, what, like what's the right size of company? Yeah, I'd say once people start to have like 50 employees and they know they're going to start hiring consistently, they should start looking at a software like ours. Great. Probably I- sub 50, you can manage a lot with Excel and you know, email and email and just a lot of time, right? Yeah. A lot of time. Right. 80%, um, 80%, right? That's right. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point. I'm not sure I could ever wrap my brain around that, but I, I certainly, I certainly share your, your sentiment and the, the value of finding the, the right people and just what a difference maker it is. Um, well, Maya, thank you so much for making the time. You know, this was, this was really interesting for me and I, and I hope everyone else thought of it as well. Um, where if, if people want to track your career and where, where, where can they follow you? track my career um you you can read random things i tweet on on that twitter thing right uh it's maya joe underscore um excellent all right well then i'll include this in the show notes on the site for anybody who's interested maya thank you so much for for making the time thanks this was really great i really appreciate you having me on here